Work is no longer just about productivity and metrics. It's about people. And when we focus on positivity, communication, belonging, and development, the numbers take care of themselves. This is Work Human Radio, where we talk to authors, researchers, and business leaders about the latest trends making work more human around the world. Here's your host, Mike Wood. Welcome back from the holidays. I'm your work human host, Mike Wood. Hopefully you had a great holiday season. I know I did with my family. My daughter, who is almost three, got a bunch of princess costumes and all sorts of different games that she can get upset with when she doesn't win. But hopefully things will get better in the next couple of weeks. So welcome to our first work human radio of 2019. This year is going to be great. We have WorkHuman in March in Nashville. You can visit www.workhuman.com to get your spot. Hopefully, we will see you there. There are lots of great announcements that are coming of some new speakers. But one of those speakers that has already been announced is Dr. Sunny Giles, and we were able to catch up with her last week. Dr. Sunny Giles is the president of Quantum Leadership Group, and her research has been featured in the Harvard Business Review, and she's the author of The New Science of Radical Innovation. So first, Sunny, I just wanted to welcome you onto the show. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I'm excited for the conversation. And first of all, just because reading about your background, you know, you have a very diverse experience from having a PhD in marriage and family therapy. You have a coaching background, corporate roles at Samsung and Accenture. So I'm curious what led you to create Quantum Leadership Group? Well, the experience I had at a Fortune 500 company, I was a program director. And within the first couple, two to three months of joining the company, I was supposed to present the overall brand strategy, global brand strategy for that product line. So I sat down with you know my colleagues in product development and marketing and everybody else. And, and then we talked to customers and sales reps and stuff. And so we developed this a deck. We felt very good about. So we sent the deck to our VP of marketing, you know, who was not stationed in town. So, and then a few of us huddled around the conference table in a conference room. And I started taking her through the deck, three pages into the deck. She goes, you know, Cindy, she couldn't quite say my name correctly because she had a French accent. And she said, you know, Cindy, I have more knowledge under my big toenail than you do in the brain of yours. And I went, Woo-ha! <laughs> wow. And I was like, wow, did I really hear what I thought I heard? And I was like, stunned. And then this guy, he was the director of product marketing. He was sitting next to me and then he hurriedly muted the triangular conference phone. And he said, oh, we forgot to warn you. That's her standard line. She says that to everyone. So don't pay attention to that. And like, Woo-ha! what? And then so it finally, you know, somehow we got through that thing. And so I don't even know what came out of it. The only thing I remember is what she said and how she made me feel. So I started thinking about why she was not getting fired when she was treating people like that. And I started, you know, talking to people about it. And it's because she delivered results every quarter. And to her upper management, it didn't matter how she delivered it as long as she delivered the numbers. And she was ruling with an iron fist and squeezing everybody. I mean, she, the you know, place was so far from safe. Everyone was just paring back what she wanted to hear. 
because they were all afraid of setting her off or getting her angry or whatever. And that was the environment that we were working in. So after that, I left the company to work for another company as an expat. So I went over to Korea. And then I kept in touch with my colleagues from there, my friends. And a few months later, I got an email and said, remember so-and-so, the VP of marketing boss? And then they said she moved to another company. And that company was much more collegial and family-friendly. And she got fired after nine months. And I was like, good for them. So, right. And it should have been the right thing. That's what should have happened because no individual performance, performers, spectacular performance justifies the psychological threat and lack of safety that the rest of the team has to endure because it really takes a huge toll on the entire performance of the team. But because they were so... You know, short-term focused, they couldn't do that, whereas the other company, which was more agile and nimble, was able to do that. So mm-hmm. when I saw that, when I saw how it unfolded and what it meant, and I started questioning, so what is good leadership? And is it really you know, defined by the results? And then so what do we mean by results? Is it quarterly earnings? Or are there other measures that we can track effective leadership by? And that was the beginning of my pursuit of identifying what those leadership attributes are and what's important in this business environment. Well, good for you for, you know, seeing a better way to be a leader and to run a company. I I think we've all had experiences like that where (laughs) a leader can really sour a great culture or, you know, a group of people that works well together. Yeah, it's the kind of leader that saps the last drop of your life energy out of you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. So you wrote a book about this. It's titled The New Science of Radical Innovation. So can you define radical innovation for our listeners? Sure. Radical innovation has three components. And this is in my book as well as in a paper that I'm writing right now, which is that it has to deliver 10x improvements in customer benefits, whether it's by speed, cost, experience, whatever it is, it has to be minimum 10x. 10 times better than their current alternative. Number two is that it has to fundamentally change how value is created in an industry. Number three, it has to provide a platform for other incremental products and services to build on. So those are the, the three criteria. And I would, I guess I'm assuming that radical innovation starts with having great leaders. And Absolutely. So what would you say is the most important thing that your research has taught you about being an effective leader? So my framework has three competency groups. At the very bottom is the safety. And then what builds on top of that is a connection. And then what builds on top of that is learning and innovation. And those follow the hierarchical nature of our brain because our brain processes incoming signals in that hierarchical manner. So what that means is that we need to provide for the safety needs of our people first. How do we do that? We manage ourselves first. So self-management is very important. That is the most important building block. When you can do a good job of managing yourself, then you can provide safety for other people. That's why I say leading a group of 10,000 people, it starts with managing one person successfully, Mm -hmm. and that's myself. I actually just had an interview with another work human speaker, and she said that the soft stuff is now the hard stuff. And I think exactly. it, it speaks to, you know, what you're saying is those soft skills that 
you know, the people skills. I mean, that is what's right. most important today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So managing yourself first so that you can provide safety for other people. And then once that safety need, needs are met, then you can provide for the connection need of people. We all want to belong. We all need to feel connected. And without doing that, our inner capacity to tap into our learning needs is limited because connection creates resilience. So when there's pain, we can deal with that a lot better. Why do we need resilience? Because it helps us tap into the next layer of your brain, which is all about learning and innovation. Innovation and learning invariably involves profuse experiments of trial and error, which involves failures. And if you don't have the resilience from your connection, the connection with your team, and know that no matter what happens, that they got your back, that you'll be all right, then you will not be able to step into the unknown and take that chance and learn from mistakes. That's why it's so important. And, you know, Global Force, we're all about social recognition, being able to recognize your peers and show appreciation and gratitude. So. Why do you think that's important in strengthening relationships and those connections that you said are so key to resilience? Yeah, so there's a huge body of research about gratitude, and it's the best antidote for depression, anxiety, best antidote for, you know, lack of connection, all those things. There's a, you know, body of research actually that substantiates all this. And so, you know, gratitude is an important aspect, and there's more building blocks, more pieces to the puzzle. And when you can tap into all of those pieces, then you can create a really cohesive, connected team. So, you know, we're heading into the new year. Something that a lot of people are talking about is the unemployment rate. And, you know, there's a ton of job openings now. So how will companies win the war for talent this year? So here's a trend that I'm seeing is that we live in the most ubiquitously connected era in the entire human history. And yet, ironically, we are the loneliest generation of the entire human history. We are very lonely. Loneliness is one of the top 10 epidemics in the world, and to the point where Theresa May, the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, appointed two cabinet-level positions. Number one is Minister of Loneliness, and another one is Minister of Suicide Prevention. Wow. It's a huge issue. And loneliness actually takes a toll on physically, it takes a physical toll on your body, where your lifespan is three, four years shorter than people who are in a connected, happy, you know, relationship. And so many people live alone, which is ironic given that we are in a very connected, quote unquote, connected world. But the connection, that digital connection is not really human, human, you know, emotional connection that we need. I don't know if that answers your question. So that's why connection is so important. So when leaders can create this, you know, connected community, then it can engender really intense loyalty and belonging and happiness and fulfillment in people's lives, and which in turn will make them more productive and more innovative. I think that idea plays well with something that our CHRO, Steve Pemberton, says that, you know, the workplace can be almost like a healing ground. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, it's because workplace was the primary reason why we've become this very disconnected and emotionally sterile people. Because in the industrial era age, when everything was predictable, so then the name of the game, the basis of competition was actually managing the process between the input and the outcome. And because the outcome was always predictable and in a stable environment, 
how you win the game is actually to maximize the you know, operating efficiency in the process. And that's why, you know, we have to disown very human elements, you know, disown our emotions. And legal department over the last two to three decades has been systematically trying to remove all elements of human connection, meaning emotion and touch in the workplace, because it represented legal liabilities. They are messes mm-hmm. and, you know, you can't control them. So that's what we've been trying to do that. Now we are reaping what we have sown. Mm-hmm. So we are paying the price of just pursuing operating operation efficiency, which was what the era demanded at that time. But the things are changing. The, you know, the environment is changing. There's things are much more volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. And to win in that environment, we have to introduce more humanness, reclaim our humanness. So that in the process of doing that, not only do we win in the business sense, but also people become more, they're happier, more fulfilled. It's a win-win. So in that same vein, what's one thing you think companies should stop doing in 2019 that can really spur that radical innovation we talked about at the beginning? Yeah. Stop focusing on short-term earnings. I know Mm -hmm. they're under a lot of pressure to produce that because the Wall Street demands it, the investor community demands it, their board of directors demand it. And at the same time, that is causing a lot of dysfunction in the organization because we're too short-term earnings-driven. We have to introduce some measure of long-term earnings and long-term performance measures, not just focused on short-term. So it's really about longer-term metrics. Yes, yes. For example, we can do like a five-year rolling average for their management compensation, which does a couple things. One is that it encourages the management to think long-term Mm-hmm. So that they can think about what's best for the organization long term, but not what's best for me this quarter so I can get my bonus. And then number two, by doing that, it reduces turnover because if you are you know, focused on long term and you're bound by the long term clauses of your contract, then you're not going to leave the company as often. You're more incentivized to stay with the company longer. And right. why is low turnover important? Because it trust takes time. If there's a lot of high turnover, you can't build trust. Without trust, there's no safety. Yeah, I think I've read a stat. I'm not sure if this is accurate, but the average tenure for VP is one year. So it's, yeah, it is, like short. you said, hard yeah. to build trust at that level. Exactly. Is there exactly. a particular company or example of a company that's doing that right that you can think of? There are some elements of that. So I feel a little torn by the question because some of the quantum companies that I quote in my book, they're doing a lot of these things right, but the long-term mm. earnings perspective, I haven't seen in a lot of companies. I think it's driven by the current regulatory environment, mm. So, which brings up a point about you know, what is the right way to measure corporate value. So it gets to a more philosophical approach, but my approach to developing leadership is very practical. Let's start, think about you know, what we can do to deliver results in, uh, here and now, as well as introduce the long-term perspective. So there are certain you know, tangible things that the leaders can do today that will make a difference. My last question for you is something we ask all of our working and speakers, but what does a more human workplace mean to you? Where we feel safe, where we feel connected and free to pursue our natural innate yearning for independence and self-organization. In the process, we are respected as individuals with our own thoughts and feelings and different ways of looking at things. And then we feel belonged and we have a community where we belong. And that becomes our tribe. 
Oh, I love that. I love the word tribe. Yeah, it becomes our tribe where we belong, where we look out for each other. And in that safe and connected environment, we're free to pursue innovation. That is an ideal workplace, more human workplace. Everybody's looking for a tribe that we can belong to. Very true. And, you know, like we were saying earlier, people are looking for purpose in at work. I mean, there's that loneliness epidemic. So there's a real opportunity here, not only to connect people, but for bottom line business. Right. Yeah. So that's one of the key trends I saw also when I went to the uh, Global Peter Drucker Forum in Vienna at the end of November. There's a huge transformation happening in the business world. And that's one of the you know driving forces. Well, I can't wait to hear more at Work Human next year. Yeah, I'm excited. I can't wait. Super excited about it. Well, thanks so much for joining us on the show, Sunny. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks for having me. If you want to see business leaders, culture keepers, and industry experts come together to share the latest research and ideas for making work more human, you need to be at Work Human March 18th through the 21st in Nashville. Visit workhuman.com to see the full lineup of speakers and reserve your spot in the number one conference of 2019.